Welcome to another edition of Rebellion Research's educational series. Today we have a data legend, Dr. Eric Siegel, former machine learning teacher at Columbia, who's going to come on today and give us his views on the world of AI and machine learning as he sees it. Dr. Siegel, thank you for coming on today. Thank you, Alex. Do you go by Alex, not Alexander? Alexander's great. So let's okay. jump right to it. Is AI <laughs> overhyped? AI is definitely overhyped. The term itself intrinsically overhypes because it implies that it's reasonable to have a field named after the engineering objective of intelligence. But intelligence is purely subjective. So once you establish that as your engineering goal, you've already set yourself up for failure. Uh, I see what so you're we should call it machine learning. Machine learning, especially supervised machine learning, is where it's at. That's where the accomplishments are happening. That's what uh, is <laughs> providing value and what there's so much to be excited about. There are certain limitations, but the fact is, as far as the sense, when people use the word intelligence, it's intrinsically an anthropomorphic concept. And there's, no, there's nothing that's happened in technology since Alan Turing, the guy on the wall here, first conjectured about uh, what it might mean for a mechanism to be quote unquote intelligent back in the 50s. There hasn't been any strides in technology that show us a path any more than whimsical that would lead us to the notion of sort of whatever we mean by sort of general purpose, you know, AIS, advanced, uh, or, or rather <laughs> AGI, advanced artificial general intelligence. So the idea of being generally intelligent rather than just narrowly, which really is supervised learning. Yeah, no, I, you know, in the 50s, I think they dreamed about having smart intelligence. And now our intelligence isn't smart. I, I don't think anything's so special about what we have. In fact, I think in the 50s, they would be disappointed with where we are today. And, and yes, horizontally, we've applied, you know, machine learning in many ways, but you know, it's still a very stupid technology, generally speaking. Uh, you know, at, at least for what I find, you know, the best, you know, Bayesian networks to work with were invented in 1991 by a UCLA professor, and everyone throws quantum computing at me left and right, and I explain to them that nothing about what I do at Rebellion in terms of predicting economics or markets will be enhanced by having a quantum computer. Whether right, so it's, quali it's a qualitative uh, challenge, not a quantitative one. We, you know, we can get a computer that's uh, as many orders of magnitude more powerful than we kind of measure the human brain as being. But the problem is, how do you program it? Exactly. Exactly. It's, do you, it's, we agree about this? This is no fun. So, uh, do, you, so do, you, do, you, do you use the term AI in your work? I think you do. Um, and, and don't you feel like you're biting the poison apple? Uh, you're well, selling your soul there a little bit? Oh, that's a fantastic question. And, and I completely agree with you that in, in a way I am, but I rationalize it by saying, you know, Alexander, not everyone, you know, is as devoted to education as you. And what if I lose readers or viewers because they're not quite sure what I'm up to? And many people don't know what machine learning means. I've come across brilliant surgeons who don't understand machine learning and AI and the difference between. And so when yeah. you've got surgeons from Manhattan making tons mm -hmm. of money who don't understand the difference, how much of America really has no clue what's going on? You and I have been living and breathing this for decades. I, I I worked on my first video game in 1994, so it's, you know, it's not new stuff for me, but you know, it's old hat for us. And mm -hmm. so for the rest of the world, I, I feel like I have to use the AI umbrella, otherwise they just won't know. 
Yeah, that's, that's true. So I'll use the word AI in a keyword on social media, but I won't use it in the title of something unless it's either making a criticism about misunderstanding or it's uh, very quickly qualified in the first paragraph of whatever the piece is. You know, okay, I've used the word AI, but you know, what I really mean is machine learning. And my co-founder, Spencer Greenberg, and I would fight about this all the time. He hated the idea of you know, AI being slapped on our company because you know, we were a machine learning firm. And I said, listen, Spencer, I, I agree with you. Yes, that is what we do. But when 90 to 95% of you know, the Americans we're dealing with, you know, and maybe even less of the non-Americans have no idea the difference, you kind of have to bite that poison apple. I mean, it, it feels like a marketing imperative, but I, 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 I would push back against that. Um, you know, I like think that creating yeah. a problem or creating, I mean, of course there'll be another AI winter. As long as we use the term AI, it will lead to a winter. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I mean, uh, people draw the analogy between how a human develops and how a machine's ability develops during learning. But for me, the analogy would be between evolution and how a machine develops. Evolution is a kind of, or at least is analogous to uh, supervised machine learning because it's survival of the fittest. For me, when I think about the development of AI over the next decade or two, I think about, you know, will the monopolistic technology companies be broken up? And if not, I feel that machine learning will continue to be innovated. And I feel that if they're broken up, then machine learning will hit some stumbling blocks because you've got four or five gigantic Ugernauts. Uh Whether they're monopolies is not a conversation for today. I have my opinions, you might have yours, but those companies have dedicated themselves to the research of AI. So you know, machine learning. If, you know. Yeah, as I mean, as a proponent of machine learning, although also an avid writer of op-eds about all of, all of the ethical, social justice, and equitability mm -hmm. issues, um, I'm, in, I'm indeed biased towards um, admiring those companies because I'm very excited about the things that they've done, deep learning and all this. Let me just make a quick plug since we're talking about the sort of debunking of yeah, AI as, 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 as a... Uh, a reasonable field or as a, as a valid consideration. Um, I actually included three short videos about that within our new Coursera three course series. And on Coursera, they bundle courses into what's called a specialization. And ours is called uh, Machine Learning for Everyone. And in the first course towards the end, there's three videos about the, the problem with uh, assuming that work in machine learning is leading to general intelligence. Um, the singularity problem there, um, and the real cost incurred by condoning the use of this term and the way in which it intrinsically misleads the general public, right? I mean, it rose by any other name. A lot of people just are talking about machine learning. A lot of very technical people um, who get it are referring to machine learning. They use the word AI, um, but, they, but they actually just mean supervised machine learning. And, you know, if you define a term, you can use it. That's fine. But the problem is that other people re refer to AI and they're referring to artificial general intelligence, the sort of notion that, I mean, this is the main criticism that I make, is that all of this uh, super intelligence um, conjecture and sort of mythology implicitly con assumes that there is a single one-dimensional spectrum along which we're moving, a spectrum of intelligence. And the more advanced we get, the more intelligent we get, and that human intelligence is somewhere along that spectrum. The problem is that intrinsically means 
that the spectrum is defined in terms of human ability, a very subjective definition of intelligence. It's a, it's a subjectively defined spectrum. There's nothing to say that our movement on that spectrum, our movement in the advancement of technology moves along that hypothetical um, spectrum. So I also um, released a piece as a video and an article on Big Think, and it's called AI is a Big Fat Lie. So you can see our course on machine learning at uh, machinelearning.courses, or you can just Google AI is a Big Fat Lie. You'll see my piece. And we, we won't be able to cover all the stuff I cover. Eric, maybe you feel that society is getting dumber as AI advances. Also. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I, I just think this is one big uh, blind spot that even some of the most technical practitioners uh, share. And, and it's a sort of mythology. It's sort of a ghost in the machine. It's like a ghost story. You're sort of, you're assuming that as things advance in general and get better and better, which they definitely are, that automatically it's going to have its own volition. It's kind of general purpose reasoning by some definition. Speaking of practitioners, you know, I met one of my very best friends, Abraham Chavakula, uh, who is a Microsoft machine learning engineer at your predictive analytics world a decade ago. So, you know, I've got to say your contribution to the machine learning world has just been so great that you know, you, you can't just measure it by the education that's happened at your conferences, but think about all the friendships and friendships that have spawned from it. And so I, I really, you know, I, I thank you for your contribution, by the way, to our industry. I think you've done you know, a marvelous job of making the machine learning world richer and moving forward. That's very nice to hear. And yeah, it's great. I mean, uh, that's the sort of fun side. Uh, you know, I'm 51 and I've I love technology, but after a certain number of decades, I got more into the sort of humans behind the technology than the technology itself. So these, that's, what con that's what conferences are, right? They're the social aspect yep. of the development of technology. So it's a lot of fun. Yes, no, you know, as a, a child, I just wanted adventure. And then now as, a, as an adult, as a father, I want to see, uh, you know, human connection. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, human connection is much more fulfilling at this point. So... So getting to fulfilling, you know, what AI, or sorry, let's say, what machine learning brand right now is exciting you the most? Q learning, deep learning, you know, you know, what are you spending your time on? Oh, I think that deep learning is definitely, I mean, it's the hottest type of machine learning for good reason. Um, it's incredible what they're accomplishing. Um, and now it doesn't apply to everything. And most of my work is, is and within predictive analytics world conferences you just mentioned is within sort of the business applications for which, you know, you're predicting is a customer going to cancel? Um, is this transaction to turn out to be fraudulent? And in many contexts, uh, full on deep learning is sort of overkill, but we did launch a new sister conference a couple of years ago and it's called deep learning world and it's co-located with predictive analytics world. Um, I, I think it's just the ability for uh, supervised learning to scale up, so that the model can take as input, not a few dozen or even a couple hundred independent variables about the individual case or transaction or person or whatever you're trying to classify. Um, but to take you know, hundreds of thousands um, of pixels of a full resolution image or that kind of thing, that signal processing potential and what they've so quickly been able to do now that you know, neural networks are scaling up at such an unprecedented level. I mean, that I, 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 I sort of dreamed about it in the early 90s. I was doing a research project with my friend Alex Chafee, 
and we were trying to get the computer to teach itself to play Tetris, but the idea was it didn't know anything about the rules of the game. So it would take as input the raw uh, um, game board, which is only 10 by 20, and then it would have a little sensor, and, and it was like a, it was genetic programming, sorry, genetic programming. So it had a little sensor, it could move around the board and try to decide where to drop the next piece, but it would only essentially get feedback uh, after playing a bunch of games. So the first little game players, the little individual model, which in genetic algorithms or in genetic programming, um, uh, you know, it's called a function. It's like a function tree. Um, it, it gets its score based, it's just random initially and it's just trying to play the game and it's doing a crummy job. And over the generations of randomly perturbing and combining these things, they start to learn the tricks of the game with only having that very indirect feedback, with the idea that that would be the kind of thing where you could scale up and have a large input and have the thing that you learned, right, the model, sort of yeah. learn on its own how to deal with such a big input. Yeah, now that didn't go that far with genetic programming, at least not yet, to my knowledge. I haven't done research in the area for like 20 years, but that's what I'm seeing with deep learning. I think it's amazing. Yeah, no, uh, Jan LeCun's, uh, you know, bringing us to multi-level uh, networks which have really opened the door for facial recognition has been such a, a leap forward you know uh, thinking about you know multi-layer networks maybe being you know more of the future how, how do you feel about that is that do you does that excite you at all or does does multi-layer is that what you said multi-layer multi-layer networks do you think that's part of the future or not really is that a is that a I mean, all neural networks are, I guess I don't know the terminology. All, all neural networks are multi-layered. Is that a specific technology? Um, well, for, uh, we call it, uh, um, for uh, facial recognition processing, uh, you use uh, multiple networks. And so you layer on these multiple networks. And, oh. so, and so the idea being that the more and more networks that we can layer on will bring us the greater and greater processing power. And so, so is that like an ensemble model, an ensemble of? Yeah, well, uh, an ensemble model will get you there. But, um, you know, the idea being that you can have between 10 and 20 uh, neural networks oh. so that you're able to, you know, use both uh, deep and reinforcement learning. And um, it's, it's a much, much kind of safer way of aggregating your, your bets. And so mm. I know that's... Uh, that's something that I've been looking into a, a little bit, uh, you know, but right now I'm not as excited about deep learning. My problem with deep learning is that I'm looking for, you know, quicker reactions. And so, I, you know, for what Rebellion Research does, we want to understand, we buy the yen because of how much uh, treasuries are being uh, you know, sold at auction, or do we, you know, buy the Swiss dollar? And so that, that quick reaction takes longer for deep learning than it will for reinforcement learning. Mm -hmm. And you know, for you know, multi-layered neural networks, uh, even you can have a quicker reaction time. But uh, anyway, we're uh, basically already at the end of our show, so we keep these shows at twenty minutes. Really, you yeah. were just starting to get into the good stuff there with your algorithmic trading. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, we don't like to do uh, investments. You know, we as Rebellion's really a think tank now. We want to you know primarily focus on just education. So. If you could recommend to the students out there listening and what they should focus on in their careers, that, that would be a fantastic parting words. Sure. Um, well, the whole purpose of our, our new Coursera specialization of three courses is to bring together both the business and operational side of deploying machine learning with the core technology. 
So it's actually applicable for both business side learners and technologists. It's not a hands-on course and right up front it explains that and why even if you're a hardcore hands-on techie, data scientist are heading in that direction, you got to learn the business side, all the business considerations, the business project leadership model, the data preparation. You know, most of these uh, trainings sort of presume data preparation is already done. The first thing you do in the first minute is load the, the training data, which already has your dependent variable. But you've, you've skipped, you've sort of blithely skipped past the majority of all the planning, scoping, green lighting, and actual preparation of the data, uh, which is the only way to ensure that it will achieve business value on deployment. So machinelearning.courses, www.machinelearning.courses is our new, and you can access the whole thing for free um, through Coursera, starting at that URL. Awesome, thank you so much, Dr. Siegel. Thank you, you, Alexander, it's great talking to you. Yeah, you have a wonderful day, have a great day. You too, thanks.